you can gross $5 million and then net $5 million and you're still, you're just an upset person at the end of the year. Welcome to Masters of Home Service, a podcast by Jobber. Each week we talk to successful home service entrepreneurs and experts in their field to learn how they built their company so that we can make your business more profitable and more efficient. We're in Las Vegas at Blue Wire Studios. And today is part two of Mastering Operations. Today we're going to be focusing on gross Profit. I'm super thrilled about this episode. Christine, you're with us today. Christine Hodge, you're the owner or the CEO, I'm sorry, of Clearview Washing in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And then David Mormon, Revive Services. And you're also the home uh, home service business coach. That's right. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Podcast and awesome. And you guys were both on the on stage together at the huge convention, which was fun, right? That's it. was a blast. It. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. So I'm gonna define gross profit as this: it's revenue minus materials and labor. Would you guys agree with that? Correct. Okay. Yep. So I just want to get that set the stage for that. So gross profit is really comes down to a, a workforce efficiency, and materials efficiency. Mm-hmm. How, how much work can you get out of your people, essentially, in a gross way of saying it? There are more than that. But so I want to ask a really big question, and then we'll, we'll get deeper and deeper into it. But how do you make the gross profit number go up? <laughs> it's a big question. I know there's a lot of different ways to approach it. But how do you make your gross profit increase? Because that's really matters a lot. For us, I believe that there are several items that show up on your profit and loss and in that category, which is, you know, under cost of goods sold that are not in your control, right? So there are some expenses that, you know, you're going to shop around. You're like going gas prices. To, right. Like you're going to try your best to be as efficient and, you know, manage your money as best as possible. But then there are some that are in your control. And that's what you really have to focus on. That's right. So for us, labor is included in that COGS, the cost of goods sold. And we track our crew productivity. We track our employee productivity. So we know what we need to make per day, which means we know what we need to make per person, which is what we need to make per hour. Mm -hmm. You know, so like we have it drilled down and we actually use a program for this. But before I was using this program, I was doing this in an Excel spreadsheet, which was very tedious. What we're able to do now is input the employee start and end time for the day and the employee start and end time per job. And what it spits out to us is the crew productivity for that day and then a breakdown, a drill down based on their position, lead technician versus, you know, additional technician, what they produced for Clearview washing per hour. This has really helped us because it helps us know who needs additional training, who we should keep on staff, who we shouldn't keep on staff, things of that nature. And that really helps us manage our COGS, which are the cost of goods sold. Yeah, I think for us, our direct labor is the largest cost in our business, right? We're not running a restaurant where we have massive food costs and a huge lease. People, People are your product and it's the people out in the field that are doing the heavy lifting. So I know we want to get specific here, so I'll just share what what we look at. 30% is our high watermark of revenue that I want attributed to our technicians. Some people may say, that's crazy, right? Um, We pay 45, we pay 55. Well, I would argue you're going to have a really tough time staffing up the back end of your business and still being profitable when you start getting that direct labor much above 30%. You're talking about maybe like middle managers, that kind of stuff. Exactly. You're about. For me, I've got, them. Exactly. I got people in the office. I've got a production manager uh, as well. And I still want to come out making a 20% net profit. So gross profit is, again, our materials and labor 
are, are summed up into gross profit, but then you got to take your gross profit minus all your fixed costs. So if you're leasing an office, if you're storing your Christmas lights, if you're paying for, you know, jobber, the, these are all things that recur regardless if you do a $10,000 month or a hundred thousand dollar month. Mm -hmm. And so we whittle it all down. I want my company making 20% net profit, the thing running and 20% net. So if you're missing it on that 30% tech labor, I have typically found you have a really hard time spitting 20% on the bottom line. So to your question, Adam, there's really only two things we can do. One is you coach your team to be more efficient. What I have found with that in my journey is our guys tend to work very hard as is in the field. There are things we can do. We've upgraded some of our equipment. We've made their job as smooth as we possibly can. But the lever I actually like to pull is deep diving my pricing. And if I can move the pricing up that I'm charging the customer, that 30% of the job, just let everyone breathe a little bit more. And that has helped my business tremendously. And in the last five years, we have done six price raises now. Um, that has really helped watch our, we call it our GP, our gross profit. I'm going to back him up with the raising prices. We raised our prices this year alone 15% because we also wanted to encourage people to save their you know, credit cards on file and auto charge. And we wanted to keep up with the credit card transaction fees and things like that. So we also want to pay our employees very well, but we also, just like David said, want to stay within a certain range, a certain percentage. So there is a lot that goes into it. And one of the, you know, there are things you can't control. There are things you can control. And one of them is your pricing. And you're going to lose a lot of those lower value clients, but that could be a part of your business model and cater to the higher end client. Yeah. Raising your prices is the lowest hanging fruit. At least half of our listeners right now need to raise their prices. Yeah. And I would argue business owners like Christine, like myself, we would dole out the red carpet for you to actually not go produce another job and program the market in a poor way of this is the going rate and actually listen to more content like we're making because a lot of you are honestly in business. You're staying very busy, but you're not staying profitable. And that's why most of us don't even make it to our five-year mark because we get all these jobs on our calendar. Like who gives a hoot if you're doing 50K a month? if you're not actually making profit. So right. this was kind of a full stop for me in 2019. We were staying really, really busy. I had a bunch of people going and it wasn't until I worked with a mentor where he's like, Dave, what are we doing here? You're staying mm -hmm. so busy, you're employing people, but how are we actually making money here? In the course of one year, we moved from $65 an hour per, per technician. I thought we we're doing good with that. Overnight, $125 an hour per technician we want that 1800 to $2,000 a day for a crew. And that was like a light bulb moment. Now, it doesn't mean I'm booking 80% of our bids. You've got to know yeah. your numbers. But the, the phrase I'd leave with everyone is charge more money, do less jobs, make more money. Right. And if you can tattoo that on your bathroom mirror, <laughs> look at it every day, because it is not about who does the most jobs. It is about who makes the most gross profit, therefore can propel a successful business. Yeah, revenues for vanity, profits for sanity. We don't care about how much money we're bringing in. We care about how much money we have left over at the end of the day. So I think step one for our listeners is reevaluate your pricing. Some of our listeners might need to double their prices. And then step two is gross profit comes down to efficiency. Each and every day, how efficient are you being? So how have you guys shaped your companies to be 
super efficient in the field to maximize that gross profit? We honestly put in a field operations manager. So once you grow to a certain point, the owner of the company, so, you know, my husband who used to be in the field and then who moved on to field operations manager and who's now working on growing the business and he's working on the business, not in the business. My role, you know, there, there are just higher level things that need to be done as the company evolves. So you do have to fill that gap between the field and ownership We've been able to do that. And that person, their sole responsibility on their job posting is create efficiency. So if I can increase those margins, I know that I'm looking out for my gross profits and, you know, my ultimate, my bottom line, which is what matters most to me. I was laughing before because our numbers are so on point and me and David did not so have a similar, discussion about yeah. this before, but in terms of labor percentages and in terms of, uh, I want, you know, at the end of the year, I want a 20% net. That's very important to us. When it dips to 19%, I'm looking at our numbers and I'm saying we're going to decrease marketing by 1%. I can tell you on a daily basis what our numbers are. And I think that that is key to growth, but also making sure that you're putting in all this work. You can gross $5 million and then net $5 million and you're still, you're just an upset person at the end of the year. Yeah. So you really, really have to harness in on and you know utilize technology for this, but also just... When you see something, fix it right away. Yeah, for me too. I mean, I think as a business owner, you are arrogant, honestly, to think that you can run your crews and you can sell jobs and you can manage marketing and you to do the interviews. Like I find a lot of business owners in this space, they are not very educated when it comes to business. Huge opportunity, by the way, if you're listening to a show like this your competitors, you can get ahead of them very quickly. They're not listening. They're, they're not Hopefully listening. They they're not listening. Because like, <laughs> if you do nothing in the next month, I would say don't go produce another job. And I kind of, what I did when I was really busy coming out of the field, I actually took my Fridays, Adam, and I called them CEO Fridays. And I would have my financial quick check literally in my Google calendar, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. I'm in airplane mode, which is a little productivity hack, by the way. You should be in airplane mode as much as you can because that's yeah. when you get stuff done. And I would pull up business banking, I would pull up my credit card statement, and I had a really simple Excel spreadsheet, nothing fancy. What came in and what went out? Where am I doing? Because a lot of us think, oh, I should change, raise my prices. You need conviction and a backbone of steel to raise your prices. You need that data. If you don't actually know, are we making money or not? So like my takeaway so far on this chat would be, don't go produce another job until you know, are we making money and how much are we making? And if I'm a betting man, you're probably staying very busy because you're trying to compete with the other bids of contractors who don't know their numbers. And that's where we get this perpetual cycle. cycle. I got some really bad advice a couple of years ago. I was talking to a pretty successful business owner. He had a franchise. And he said, don't worry about your expenses. Just make more money. Yeah. And I took that to heart. And the whole that, that whole year... I didn't really pay attention to my expenses. I just pay attention to getting more leads and doing more, more, more work. And you know what happened? My net profit was not 20%. <laughs> I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah. And so if our listeners are thinking, well, I can just, I can out revenue our, our inefficiencies. I can out revenue my low. No, you can't. You cannot do, it doesn't not work. Mm -hmm. It seems like it could work, but it won't. And you'll be left with a business that is driving you insane, driving you into the ground. You're not making any money and it's a big problem. Yeah. And who wants to go to work every day if you're not actually making money? Like for me, 
maybe it's my Dutch background, but I was like, from my first truck, I'm going to be profitable. $89,000 my first year. I took the profits, threw it right back in. Then we did 155, threw it back in. Then we did 582,000, threw it back in, got more vans, grew. So we don't talk about it enough, but a growing home service business takes a ton of money that needs to get reinvested. Goodness me, don't put a second truck on the road if you're not making money with your first right, one. Right. It, it, on Instagram, trucks and employees, and you know, we go to the bar with our buddies and we brag, we got this and this. Like, who cares? Who cares? Like, you, revenue is part of the equation, but the final answer it actually lies in the net. By the time the dust settles, how much is this business making? If you can't answer that, it's a problem. Let's take a quick minute to talk about Jobber for a minute. Guys, a lot of our listeners who aren't Jobber users yet say, oh, it's too expensive, I can't afford that, or we're too small, we'll do that later. What would you say to them? I would say stop tripping over pennies on your way to dollars. If you can't mm. invest a few hundred bucks into a software system that's gonna run your business, you should close up shop today. I tried to hack it on Google Sheets, worked okay, but you just gotta get in and get started to see how it is for yourself. So I would say level up and get on a real platform. Build that foundation now, early when it's easy to build it. It's just like process management. They, you think if you have you know, one or two employees, you're too small to write down your processes, but you're not, and that's how you prepare for growth. We feel the same way about Jobber. No matter how small you are, you have one crew going out, that crew should be in Jobber. You have client list of 150 clients. They should be in Jobber because it's a lot harder to transition a larger business into a CRM than it is when you're first starting out. Yeah, it's much easier to board a small ship than a, a big ship. You got to start early. If you're not using Jobber yet and you're listening to this podcast, it's time for you to use Jobber. Even if you were small, even if it's just, just you, you need to start now so that you can build on a strong foundation. So go to jobber.com slash podcast deal, get an exclusive discount for new members and take the plunge today. Let's do some more hacks here. What are some other ways that you can really increase efficiencies in your business? So we actually share our profit and loss scenario with our employees. I know when I first started doing this, even my husband and like, it's a family business, everyone was very uncomfortable with it but I knew what I was doing. Like there's a point to this. So when your employees see an invoice or issue an invoice for $2,000, they're mad. Mm -hmm. Like they're thinking like I'm making $20 an hour and this is a $2,000 invoice. So I share our profit and loss scenario with them three times a year. In March for our March 1st kickoff, when we start the season, in August, we do a mid-year holiday party. It's, it's called Clearview Day actually. And we do a company outing and that's when everyone's together because everyone's all over the place through the year. Mm -hmm. And then at our holiday party at the end of the year. And I put up on a big board our profit and loss scenario. Out of a $2,000 job, this much is going to payroll. This much is going to this. This is supplies and materials. And I have a very basic breakdown of my P&L that I look at in QuickBooks. And it's very honest. And there are years where I'm like, we need to turn this around because this is all that's left at the end of the year. And then there are other years where I'm like, this is why you guys are getting fantastic production bonuses. Mm -hmm. Because of you producing at the rate that you're producing, this is what Clearview is left with at the end of the year. So we're going to go buy another truck. And then suddenly they are willing to hustle a bit more. 
yes. and be a little more efficient and think through, like, oh, not forget that tool back at the shop and yes, all that kind of stuff. Because they have to see the vision and you have to say, I'm telling you, this is not just a job. This is a career for you. And like the only way for them to see your vision is if you're that transparent with them through the good and the bad times. It's so funny, Christine's saying this. I'm like laughing inside. We literally did an Excel spreadsheet. We called it the $2,000 a day truck breakdown. And we did labor, chemical, marketing, and we whittled it all down. $2,000, we're left with $500 on the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I think the more owners can subscribe to the theory of open book management, I think owners sometimes were like money scary. We don't want to talk about it. We've told our team profit is the oxygen of this business. So you guys want jobs, you want raises, you want Christmas parties. We took our team axe throwing. We're planning out a Christmas party. You want to do all that stuff. You guys want better equipment. The business needs to facilitate that happening. And most of us owners don't know their numbers. Therefore, their team doesn't know. Therefore, they're going on Facebook groups. Why can't I get no good technician? I'm like, there's not even an opportunity here. The, the days of jobs are done. We need to create careers in the home service space. And that's why we're here talking about it. Yeah. I, with my gutter company, I never really did gutters. I was out of the field from basically day one, which I'm really thankful for. Uh, but I had some really great people in the beginning. What I didn't do was I wasn't out there very much because I was in the office building the business. And so some inefficiencies crept in just over time. It wasn't any ill intent by anybody. But if there's a listener out there who's like me, you need to get your butt back in the field and and watch and shadow your technicians because I guarantee you, you'll find. And I'm not I'm not saying look for ill intent. I'm not saying to look for bad behavior. I'm looking. I'm saying go look for inefficiencies because they're out there and they don't even realize it. You'll say, whoa, whoa, why are you doing it that way? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's wrong. Do it this way. You'll never see that if you don't go back in the field and watch. Yeah, and to Christine's point, we made a key hire about three years ago. Our production manager is is Steve, and Steve will shadow our crews that are facilitating the work. He will jump in if we get a sick call, but I would say one to one and a half days of his week is literally on the job site, shadowing, pointing out inefficiencies, mm -hmm. and that helps our bottom line, believe it or not, paying someone who that is part of his role to actually provide coaching to our team. Hey, is it okay if I point out a little bit of feedback how I think we can do this better? And again, pivoting back to in our meetings, we're talking about reviews, but we're also talking about what we call charge rate, which is each technician, our company is billing you out at $125 per hour. And we're going to be talking about that so that it's not a surprise and they know, are we hitting our daily rate or are we missing it? And this, this I know this makes uh, some listeners uncomfortable because it makes most human beings uncomfortable. It feels like you're breathing down their neck and you're, you're, you're driving them harder and harder. This, it's their job to be as efficient as they can be. Mm -hmm. It's my job to make sure they do their job. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's no huffy puffy, there's no attitude here. It's just, this is, this is a workplace that we're in. This is, this is professional behavior and we need you to do your job. I'm doing my job. We're all doing our jobs here. There's no judgment or ill feelings. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And if your business is not making money right now as a business owner, you will not grow. And I guarantee you will have a hectic personal life uh, in a relationship, growing a family, trying to do what you want to do. So many small businesses, even larger than home services, go under because they're just not making money. So like press pause on this thing and, and figure out what your numbers are now before you go to the next job.
So I just want to interject for one second because I know that the gross profits really matter, right? Because you you can look into your labor cost and you can look into your cogs and see what you can tweak there. But for me, the most important number is my net profits. So I'm looking at the bottom line, the very bottom of my profit and loss statement, and I'm trying to determine what can I do to make this number higher. I wanted to know how you guys feel about that. Yeah. Because um, I think that it's something that you know, somebody who's just starting to learn their numbers or someone who's just putting together their PL for the first time, which is a scary thing because you didn't really know what goes where and things like that. To me, the net is like our motto, especially this year after like, you know, a weird year in the economy last year was protect the net. I completely agree. Like, I think we all get into business generally for three things, time, freedom, make more income than we would working for someone else and independence. And I think the one we don't talk enough about is what's actually left over at the end of the day. Exactly to Christine's point, when we pay everything, all our guys, our chemical, our fuel, our Facebook ad spend, you know, all of our tech stack, like whittle it all down. What is actually left? And, and I would wager most people are not hitting a 20% net. Now, Christine and I are coming out as a point of having a fairly scaled up company with employees. Here's where we also get this wrong, Adam, is you get a guy or a girl doing a hundred grand right now, paying their fuel bill, they're doing all the work in the field. They're saying 20% net, Adam, Christine, Dave, I'm making 65% right. profit. I'm mm -hmm. pulling 65 grand. No, you're not because you need to pay people as if the owner's not in the business doing the thing. If you have a job, you're working in the business. If you own a business, it is an engine over here. It is running without the owner running around on a hamster wheel. So again, a lot of misinformation in this space. You're doing 100 grand a year, you're not making 65 grand. You need to actually replace yourself as a technician, pay that technician 40 grand a year. Okay, maybe you're making 25 grand. So right. that's how you get to a 25% net in and around there. So the thing needs to run without the owner. That's what net profit actually means. Yeah. Christian, I think it's a great point. I think every number on a PL, every number above the net number influences the net number. And I think gross the gross profit number is the biggest lever that influences that that net profit. And so I think that focusing on your efficiencies and your team first and then but you can shave off and off every single number on that PL for sure. And at the end of the day, net really is what matters, but the gross profit is what has the biggest influence on the net. Would you guys agree with that? I would agree. Like there are some things like, for example, marketing, we try and keep that at three to 5%, but we alternate years in, in investment. It's just our strategy. So like we'll invest very heavily one year and then the next year we protect the net and mm -hmm. we pull back a little bit. So on an investment year, we are okay with taking marketing to six to 7% so that we can really go hard. You know, we just got another one or two trucks and we got some new employees and we're going to really go hard. And then the following year we pull back on marketing and we remain at like three to 4%. So like we play with our numbers that way and kind of take turns investment year, non-investment year, protect the net investment year. So for us this year was a protect the net year. We didn't do any heavily investment. We didn't invest heavily. We bought on new employees, but they were necessary because we're organically growing. We raised our prices 15%. And then we made sure that marketing actually has been close to 4% this year. So we haven't even hit our 5%. But our net has been really great. 
So now I can give, you know, my husband who does the marketing, the green light, like, let's go up in marketing. Like, let's mm -hmm. finish out the year strong. I like that. It's great insight. And once you know this stuff, guys, you're getting phone calls from digital marketing companies charging you $2,000 a month. You know, is that in my budget or not? I, I've been an entrepreneur in the home service space 15 years. The highest I've ever spent in marketing is 7%. We're in an exact similar boat with Christine. We try hovering kind of that 5% range is a sweet spot. And each year you can either be camping or you can be climbing. Not all entrepreneurs will listen to the show and want to grow 100% every year. Let's go to the moon, 100 locations. A lot of you are just trying to build a systematized business that can run without you having to do everything. So like it starts with that net and like, are we making money? Because growth for growth's sake doesn't impress me and it's going to leave you very miserable. Like you first build your business model and then you grow that. So like if you're on the truck right now, nothing wrong with that. What an opportunity to deep dive your numbers and see, are we profitable? Cool. I am now let's replace myself as a technician. Now let's get a second truck. Now let's get a manager to help me. Like this thing is okay to happen in stages. And I think it's cancerous in our industry. People see an online ad and think they can grow zero to a massive company overnight like this. It can happen, but I think there's a lot of misinformation. The home service growth plan is a marathon. It is a slog. Uh, it is a tough business to grow, but it is very rewarding if you can figure out how to do it and do it profitably. Yeah. And you can also scale back like just what he was saying. So like if you're at, let's say $300,000 a year, and then you, you do your numbers and you're in QuickBooks and you know, your net profit is two or 3%, or you might be in the negative or you broke even that year. So instead of making your goal for the next year to grow 20% in gross revenue, you will want to make your goal. Let's try and hit the same gross but increase our net for next year. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to cut down? And that that's why we say protect your net because you have to have some reset years. Like this is gonna be a long game. You have to have some years where you're like, I don't have to focus on the gross this year. I really have to like make sure that me, I'm making money and that I have money to reinvest so that next year I can buy a truck or two. So it's okay to take a step back to fix your numbers. Yeah. This is a great place to end the conversation, guys. I'm gonna summarize it in three actual steps. Number one, raise your prices. Most of our listeners probably need to raise their prices to some degree immediately, but you need to reevaluate your pricing and make sure that you're charging the right billable hour for your services. You're probably too low, and it's the quickest way to pull that profitability lever on your gross profit and bring it up. Number two is CEO Fridays. You need, to, you need to build some time in your calendar to know your numbers. Because then once you know your numbers, then you can know if your first truck is profitable. And then if it's not, you wait until it is to put your second truck out. Because if the first one's not profitable, the second one won't be either. And number three is be open. Bring your people into the financial conversation. Because again, they think if you made $2,000 today, you're a rich man. Uh, we all know there's more to it than that. They don't know that. If you're open with them and show them the P&Ls and you show them the financials, they will have a better understanding of what goes in your business and they'll be more bought into the vision of the company. Guys, thanks for being here. David, Christine. Thank you. How do people find out more about you? You can find me on Instagram at Christine S. Hodge and on my website, theprocessceo.com. And myself would be Home Service Business Coach on all social channels or homeservicebusinesscoach.com. Well, this was fun. I really enjoyed this two-parter. Thanks for being here. The work that you guys do matters. The impact you're having on this community and jobber is really impactful. So thank you. Keep it up and keep it the good work. I appreciate it. Thank you, Adam.
And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this two-parter on profitability and operations. I hope you heard something that will make your business more profitable and more efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester. You can find me at adamsylvester.com. Remember, your team and your clients deserve your very, very best. So go give it to them. We'll see you next week.